Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Helium Bailey Notebook, the latest Canadian soccer podcast that is bringing you all the latest information on the Canadian Premier League, Canada's MLS clubs, and Canada's women's and men's national team programs. As some of you may know, my name is Josh Healy, and uh, I'm joined today by Mitchell Bailey. Mitchell, we made it to two episodes. Can you believe it? I can't believe it, man. We're the most consistent podcast in the game already. I know, I know. And we actually paid for the Zoom Pro membership today. So we're invested in heart and mind at this point. And we got a logo. So, I mean, we're off to the races. $24 a month for the Zoom Pro membership. Uh, Now we're not confined to, uh, you know, having the call end 40 minutes in and then having to get, I have to send you a new Zoom link and then you join. It's a whole thing. Now we can just talk for as long as we want. Still going to try to stay in that, that hour time frame. But uh, yeah, man, we're moving up quickly. I appreciate anyone that tuned into the first episode and we're going to keep them coming. Yeah, that's fantastic. And on a totally unrelated note, if there are any uh, people who own businesses or anything like that, you got some money to burn, please reach out to us. Uh, There is ad space available. Just throwing that out there. Uh, You know, you can reach out to us at any time and we'd be more than happy to plug your business. Josh Healy is business minded. Uh, What can I say, man? You know, two arts degrees. Let's go get that guap. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Well, there's uh, a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Sorry, it's almost uh, hard to think where we can kind of start off the top. But uh, there's a lot going on in the CPL. If we want to start sort of my realm a little bit here. Yeah. So Josh is our uh, resident uh, CPL expert. I mean, I'm a you know pretty in depth follower of the league, but he's been covering it for the past year. So. Obviously, you're the one that's that's taking the lead on this. We started with the the Canadian men's national team recap last time. So, yeah, let's open it up with some CPL news. What, what do you got cooking over there on your side of the screen? Yeah, switching up. So, again, for those who don't know, I also have my blog at wandersnotebook.ca. But uh, there's a lot going on in Halifax and across the league in the CPL. As we mentioned last week in our pod, uh, Mo Omar and Fupa Mbappe Mwandwe have moved on from the Halifax Wanderers. Um, in addition to that, I, I had previously reported this, but uh, French international Theo Colomb, the striker, is not going to be coming back this year. And it looks like he is going to sign in France, uh, from what I've been told. Um, I don't think anyone's necessarily surprised by that news. Again, it's been out for a little bit now. But uh, yeah, the, the club does have until the end of the year to exercise the option. Uh, but just from everything I've heard and, and everything around the club, you know, Cologne didn't really hit his stride in Halifax and, and he had a little bit of a falling out with the coaching staff. Um, I, I believe is in the down the pub co- podcast, uh, Patrice Geyser himself even mentioned, uh, you know, that there may have been some things at training that, that us, the fans don't see, um, which is a bit surprising because, you know, to start the season, I thought he had the best finishing ability of, of any of Halifax. So, um, you know, it's it's a bit unfortunate to to see him fizzle out so quickly. But uh, yeah, I was going to wow. say, hey, did you have a chance to watch uh, Coloma at all, uh, Mitchell? Or uh, I don't know if it, in person, the first game of the season that I caught. Well, my my current work schedule never really allows for me to be able to catch games on the weekend. So if a game would fall, a home match in Halifax would fall on a Monday or Tuesday or any time in the evening after six p.m. I was there. But uh, yeah, the first match that I caught was the two-one win over Forge, the the late Nimic penalty. I don't know if you if you played that match, but I was a big fan of Teo Cologne. Um, Teo Cologne, correct? Yeah, myself. don't forget that accent. Uh, Teo, <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was a big fan of him. I mean, he scored that beautiful goal um, earlier in the season when, when Nimick just delivered that excellent ball halfway across the pitch and he just, that was a volley. I mean, that was unbelievable. A volley right in the I back saw of the that. Neck, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nimick, Nimick shared that onto his Instagram story. Some, uh, some football account that quite a bit of a following actually shared it. Um, yeah. I, I kind of went into the season expecting him to be one of the most prolific strikers that the Halifax had. And I, you know, maybe I, I wasn't aware of, of, of the uh, alleged, you know, falling out to a degree during, during stuff behind with stuff behind the scenes, coaching staff, possibly something during training. So um, maybe that could explain a little bit of his absence because it got to a point where I don't even believe he was available on the bench. And if he was, he was barely coming in and it was just quite sudden because he was a regular from, from what I saw, if he wasn't starting the game, the first first games of the first half of the season, he was at least coming off some point in the second half, if they needed a goal. Um, So, and and he regularly did make an impact. So I I don't really necessarily, that always was something that, that I was curious about because it never looked like it was that evident that he was just completely dropping off at a form. Anytime he played, I thought he, you know, he, he performed his role, uh, you know, quite well. So yeah, it's unfortunate to to see that his time in Halifax didn't, um, it, you know, it didn't resonate as as much as he was hoping for. But uh, I, yeah, tell me more. Do you know anything else about where he might be headed to next? So I don't know where he's headed to next. But one thing I did want to mention is that, as you mentioned, you know, he really did fall from grace a little bit. Um, I think out of the last uh, ten matches that Halifax played, you know, he didn't either started on the bench or or wasn't even dressed for eight of them. Right. So he he really wasn't, you know, sort of part of Patrice Geyser's starting 11 or plans really um, in the latter half of the season at all, which, again, when you pair that, you know, you look towards the beginning of the season, he was featuring quite regularly and he was able to nab uh, quite a few goals. Uh, I believe he got four of them, uh, which put him the highest like goals per minute percentage in the league at one point, which was really curious. I think looking back, um, not only for the player, but the club, I, I think it will be felt as a missed opportunity. Missed opportunity in a number of ways, but, you know, this is the second year now where he's headed France, not knowing where he's going to play next year. Obviously, uh, he had come from the white cap system, and he didn't really get a shot as a result of injuries, so he he was uh, out of the starting 11 um, for, you know, a, a nagging injury, and then this time around, again, we don't really know what happened, but it was mentioned in Down the Pub that that uh, you know maybe there were things that fans didn't see that that, that was going on, and uh, as a result, you know it's it, it's kind of a case of of what if with what I think is a very talented footballer. So, uh, I agree. Mo- moving on a little bit here, I've got uh, some more Zach Fernandez news. Um, oh, hit so me with it, a, man! He, fo- yeah, he followed yeah. me on Twitter last week, so let's go, Zach. If you're listening, be our first uh, wander to yeah, come on the show. The the invite's there. Yeah, I was gonna say you you you're official now. Um, so <laughs> oh, you follow had... me on Instagram and Twitter too. So Zach, that he, oh, doesn't, wow. uh, he doesn't hold back the follows, man. He dishes them out. Or maybe he's, I'm just special. We're just he's special. all over. Do you have a lot of like food pictures on your Instagram? I know Zach likes to uh, eat at nice restaurants. And he stuff. likes to indulge, huh? I, I mean, I can re- I can increase the amount of uh, pictures I take of my food. I, I I got some flack when I was in Italy a couple of weeks ago for not posting as many food pics as I I guess was obligated to to my story. So then I ramped it up for the last few days, but. I mean, if Zach is, is wants to see a nice photo of, uh, you know, some scrambled eggs or something, by all means, dude, I'll, I'll drop some. <laughs> you'll, you'll drop some? Yeah, I once mentioned to him that uh, I was going to Montreal, and, and he was very helpful in providing uh, restaurant recommendations. So, uh, shout out to Zach. But, uh, yeah. 
That's his home as, province. That's his home province, as as it was for a number of Wanderers, actually. Huge, huge Francophone contingent this year. But um, yeah, as as mentioned, uh, I've kind of been keeping tabs on the whole uh, Zach Fernandez situation. So going as far back as a couple of months ago, there had been clubs who had reached out to the Wanderers just to express interest. And that's continued to grow. Obviously, now we're in the offseason. Um, and multiple clubs have made themselves av- available to, to, to let uh, people know that they're interested in Zach. Um, at this time, there's no transfer that's imminent. But the feeling I get is that things are moving towards clubs actually reaching out to negotiate with the Wanderers. Um, obviously these things never move as quickly as you expect them to, uh, but it is quite complicated. You know, one of the things to keep in mind is that the MLS, I mean, it, the playoffs are still ongoing, uh, but a n- number of clubs have entered the off season. So they're trying to figure out their end of year rosters. Obviously TFC only made their announcements a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then on the European transfer window, because again, uh, Fernandez does have interests in both North America and in Europe, uh, that doesn't open until January 1st. So I think there is the interest from the outside to, you know, organize a transfer between uh, the Wanderers and whatever club that may be. But I don't think we can expect any deal should the Wanderers get the fee that they're looking for until January. That's kind of seems to be the sweet spot. You know, they'll have made the, like from the Wanderers perspective, they'll have made their decision on any remaining club options. Uh, so there are a few that are still outstanding from that. And then again, that kind of opens it up to all the other markets to see if, hey, you know, can we bring this guy on? Was it going to cost? And just to really move into, uh, you know, that closing deal phase. Um, right now, again, you know, people are keeping tabs and checking in from my understanding, but uh, expect it to move and get a little bit more hot and heavy as as we move into the new year. And, and a Just, question here regarding CPL transfers. Um, I, I know that the first window technically begins January 31st and it ends April 24th. Now that is not that that, that doesn't involve players being sold to other clubs in the regular European transfer window, I believe. Is that correct? I think that's more about how like the, the window that they have to be able to sign players and recruit them to their squads. Yeah, that's that's correct. And there are usually two windows throughout the season as well. Um, I believe this year it, I want to say it opened in June. It was throughout June. Uh, July fifth, twenty twenty-three, and it ended August second. Yeah, there it is. Um, so, yeah, they do have the designated windows again. That's for the Canadian sides to bring in players and whatever else, though. Um, right. Pivoting to another player that, of course, has has uh, got a lot of interest. Uh, you know, we had Secret Scout, which has tens of thousands of followers, tweet about uh, one of our Halifax Wanderers, which I think took everyone by surprise. You know, you're used to watching them talk about clubs like Arsenal or Chelsea or whatever else. And then to see the Wanderers' uh, very own Dan Nimick pop up was a surprise. But uh, the sense I'm getting around Nimick, and this is from just the way he spoke at his end of season availability, but uh, also when I've been checking into things throughout the offseason, uh, it's kind of in a wait and see mode. Um, you know, one thing that's really important when thinking about transfers is that the CPL is a relatively young league and other clubs are looking for a track record before they're willing really to, to pay for players. So Nimick's contract was automatically, um, his option was automatically triggered based on his, uh, his, his amount of games played. 
So as a result, he is under contract for next year, which means that any club that's interested in him would have to organize a transfer. You know, it might be harder to do that when you're like, okay, he's been pro for one year and he's got, uh, you know, 28 matches, 29 matches or whatever it may be. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens with him. Obviously, he's got a lot of talent. He's got that Leeds United background. Uh, you know, he's got a great profile. He's 6'2". He is athletic. He's got goal-scoring ability. Uh, and he's actually one of the players, um, kind of similar to Mo Omar, actually, who was drafted in the MLS Super Draft, which adds an extra uh, layer of, of intricacy to, to any negotiations that may go on. Um, the Vancouver Whitecaps, drafted him in the super draft last last year so they actually have his rights until uh, december 2024 uh so if there are other clubs in mls that are looking at him they've got to kind of negotiate around that a little bit um so at, at this time i don't really expect anything to happen before the season with nimic but it is good to keep in mind that he does have eyes both across the pond and and here at home uh, on him so He's uh, definitely uh, a, a player that, uh, you know, has, has piqued uh, clubs' interest all over the place. I mean, we were talking about it last week, right, with, with you know, hey, is it time to call him up team or not? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, and, and just looking here, I mean, transfer transfer market has his value currently, uh, you know, speculated at 200,000 200, euros. I mean, that's subjective and, and not subjective but it, it's an estimate i imagine it is to be taken with a grain of salt um i mean it is to be said that you know uh nimic spent you know eight years developing at at the leeds united academy in the uk so who knows i mean there could be contacts that still exist there i would imagine i'm sure whoever represents him would be reaching out or attempting to see if there was any interest there or perhaps there has been I, I'm not someone who's on the inside. I'm just an outsider speculating. You're a bit of more of an insider when it comes to this. But do you think that perhaps this could be, I mean, Toronto FC is desperate to to, to reel in some defenders. Um, I know that Vancouver essentially still ha- would have first say on that. Um, do you think that that could be a possibility that they negotiate something to, to bring him in as, as Vancouver is a bit more sound defensively? Yeah, obviously... You know, I'm not in the inside necessarily in the the MLS offices, but what I will say is that everyone who's been covering the league for any amount of time always compares Dan Nimick to Lucas McNaughton. And as we know, after a fantastic uh, CPL career, McNaughton went on to TFC for a bit and now he's in Nashville. So I think he's he's got the the pedigree and 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 the skill to be able to to make that jump. Again, it's just how well his rights sort of be negotiated um one of the things to keep in mind for transfer market values is that a lot of those are compiled from talking to different people in front offices agents scouts etc cetera, etc cetera. so you know he was one of the players uh, on the wanderers who had their value increased as we mentioned last week mo omar was another one um and really the whole wanderers roster uh went up uh quite a bit despite having a player of uh, Morelli's caliber retire. So I think that kind of speaks to the project as a whole, but particularly, you know, to a fantastic first professional year for Nimic. And, and it'll be interesting to see what happens to him uh, as the season progresses, right? If he picks up right where he left off, you know, you might see uh, other clubs get a lot more interested. So yeah, he could be gone in the summertime perhaps. Yeah. You, I'm glad you touched on TFC a little bit there. Um, of course the Wanderers had forward, slash striker Jordan Peruzza on loan from TFC. 
uh, he had a bit of a strange time with Halifax, just in so much as, you know, from the moment he got there, he was in the starting 11, right? He, he was Geyser's go-to striker for much of the season. Um, he was able to get a, a pair of goals, uh, but, you know, kind of struggled to find his way a little bit. Um, obviously, it's hard when you come in, you know, you don't have camp with these players. You don't necessarily have all that time to bond and build that foundation. But uh, he, had, recently... he had a solid few months, though. He came in in August. I believe his first game was yeah. August 7th. Yeah, so he did get a good chunk. I, I believe he had 10 or 11 matches with the club. Um, obviously, with TFC2, he, he was known as a goal scorer, so I think some some fans were disappointed that he, he didn't necessarily fill the net that may be expected of someone with his experience. Um, but I was talking to a couple of people who are close to the club, and they did mention uh, Peruzza does have at least another year guaranteed on his contract. Uh, and they didn't necessarily see a spot or a path for him to the starting 11. Now, he had a really hard time last year getting minutes. And with what I'm hearing, it sounds like it's going to be a very similar story for him. What, coming so back I guess to the, TFC? Coming back to TFC, yeah. Trying to find a spot for him. I mean, he's yeah. been with TFC. I mean, his his career... I mean, he, he, he came through their youth academy, but he started with, you know, their, their second team in 2018, and he seemed to have clocked in quite a few goals. I mean, 17 goals and 28 appearances for them, and then went in, up to the senior team, 23 appearances, only one goal. So, um, yeah, does it, I mean, especially with the attempt to try to rehaul their roster in the, in the offseason, yeah. I think they might be a little bit in over their heads and are going to perhaps, if, if nothing gets worked out on the on the side from the, two Italians, they might have to figure out how they could best build the squad around them with John Herdman at the helm. And um, yeah, they need a prolific goal scorer, somebody that can, that can be you know relied upon and, and capable of, of working with the two Italians if they do stay. And uh, I don't know if Jordan Peruza will be that guy to be called upon and uh, you know, desperate times. I, I just, you know, they already have Deandre Kerr who's, who's mm-hmm. like unlikely had to be the guy that stepped up and I think did perform pretty well considering wow. yeah. what was asked of him and, and what resources he had. Um, but I still don't think, that he is the answer either. And like Lucas Cavallini, I know there was some jokes on Twitter <laughs> last week with uh, him falling out of favor with Tijuana and Mexico and, and people saying, well, John Herman doesn't get any ideas. He's definitely not the answer either, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I don't know how Jordan Peruza fits into that fold. Um, perhaps if there's some, you know, development in the off season and but yeah i mean how he's he's 22 years old he turns 23 in january um yeah i mean i i can see benefits to him returning back to the wanderers or playing another season in the cpl and really if he can make the right connections and kind of get in a groove and find his form perhaps toronto fc could take him back and, and look at him as more serious option dependent on what they need or not or sell him off i don't know but yeah i'm, I'm very curious to see what happens again obviously with uh Cologne likely not coming back. Uh, you've had Morelli retire. All of a sudden, mm. you know, that striker attacking uh, position further up the pitch is, is kind of a hole for the Wanderers. I know that uh, it, it seemed like Peruza and Geyser had a good working relationship. And, and you know, Peruza was starting to find or create some chemistry with, with some of his teammates as well. So I'm very curious to see if, if the opportunity presents itself, um, if he might try and come back. I do know last year, Prutza was the one who actually fought to go out on loan. He wanted the opportunity to 
to get some minutes and further develop and, and, you know, play, play football. So, um, yeah, I, I think that'll be something that'll be really interesting to follow, uh, as, as, especially, uh, depending on how the Wanderers recruitment goes. Definitely. Jumping around the league a little bit here. I did want to stop in and at, uh, Atletico Ottawa. In addition to doubling down on Carlos Gonzalez, the club also announced that keeper Nathan Ingham, Altaro, Alberto Zapater is also going to be back. And they also got Tyra Walker, um, the local kid, back with the club as well. Um, for for my reckoning, I think this is pretty big for for Ottawa fans, just in so much as, you know, there there was a lot to be desired at the end of the season. You know, they had that total collapse to, to finish. Um, and I didn't think a lot of those players deserved to be back, especially with how they reacted, you know, with the pressure on. So I think they, they made a really good call in so much as bringing back Ingham, who I thought is, a, or I think is a fantastic goalkeeper, as well as Zapater, even though he's not as mobile. I mean, what can you expect from a guy who's 38? <laughs> but, you know, he really does have a, a, a good couple feet on him. Um, you know, he, he's very good at controlling the pace and, and, and sort of steadying that midfield. So um, that's one of the players that I was actually kind of poking into uh, before uh, – Atletico Ottawa made their announcement and and they kind of said, you know, hold your horses here, just give us a day and you'll get all the answers you need. So sure enough, they announced uh, not only that Ingham was back, but also El Toro himself. So it uh, it'll be good to see him back in the league because you could argue he's, you know, the highest profile player who's who's come to the CPL with his resume, right? Yeah, and I mean definitely going to retire in Canada, which is something, right? I mean, he's 38 yeah. right now. If he continues to play throughout the 2024 season, he'll turn 39 in June. So, I mean, yeah, played in, you know, Syria, uh, Syria. He played in Portugal with sporting. I mean, arguably one of the biggest clubs in Portugal. Um, and, and then obviously uh, La Liga with uh, Real Zaragoza. So um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to see some of those players decide. I mean, that's, that's the start anyway. It's kind of like the earlier days of, of the MLS as it was in, you know, around year 10 with David Beckham for, I mean, nowhere in comparison, but uh, <laughs> you'll ever have a Netflix documentary, but you start to see some players that have, have, have played at the top level over in Europe and they decide to come somewhere else and just, you know, test the waters. And it, it's good. It's good branding for the league as well. I mean, I know the, the main priority for the league is developing young Canadian talent, but if you could recruit some, some older players that can offer some valuable experience for those younger players, if, you know, hear what it's like playing over in Europe, if they ever get to that level and offer some guidance in the field, then I see no issue with that. And Ingham is arguably probably the, one of the most consistent goalkeepers in the Canadian Premier League over the last few years. And seemingly a leader, especially considering that, that press conference moment he he had after they, they conceded another late goal against York, which, which essentially, almost ruled them out of the playoffs or had their fate decided on the last day. And, and he kind of was outspoken against how I forget what the exact quote was, but remember that moment, the second last yeah, game yeah. of the Premier League. And um, yeah, so it's good to see him coming back and that he wants to come back. And I think it's important that you have players in the Canadian Premier League that kind of make their career in, in that league. If, if that's the level that they, that they are, you know, that's their ceiling. That's where they play at. I think it's better to just stay here in Canada and keep growing the league and, and to be the, be at the forefront, be the faces of the league. And it seems like as far as goalkeepers, um, he's, he's one of them for sure. So it's nice to see him back. Yeah. He was recently a guest on footy prime actually. And he talked about his uh, restaurant business. Uh, I believe he's, yeah. So he's, he's a man of many talents. 
you're in the auto area, you can, you can go to one of his restaurants, which is, uh, which is also pretty fun. So he's, he's, uh, he must he, be what, he owns a, He owns a restaurant? He owns a restaurant. Is yeah. that what you have to do to, to be a pro in the CPL? <laughs> Did, like you got to manage, you got to have to like, be able to pay the bills. <laughs> no way. Uh, okay. I don't know, man. I, I just thought he was uh, industrious, but it could be, it could be. I'm, uh, I'm trying to remember now what the average salary for the the league is. It's somewhere between like 50 and 60,000. I thought. Yeah. It's still reasonable. Like, yeah. Most players are, I, I believe probably between the 35 to, to 50 range. Um, and then obviously developmental contracts are a little bit different, but yeah. Yeah. There's um, a couple different layers to us, but yeah. Anything else from what you're seeing around the league before we jump into some more, uh, some, some Canadian men's international discussions. Yeah. I did just want to jump in a little bit on Manny Aparizio. Uh, obviously a lot of rumors going on about him. Um, he is out of contract with Pacific and I had been told previously uh, by a couple different people that they did not expect him to go back to Pacific. And if anything, he was going to look for his options abroad. Having said that, um, you know, I could see him being a fish with the Wanderers, um, which, you know, adds a little intrigue. Obviously there's a hole with Morelli being gone that uh, Aparizio could fit very neatly into. Uh, he's He's been in the CPL for a number of years now. Obviously he was with York. He's been very successful at Pacific. And again, uh, you know, I think his his goal would be to find greener pastures elsewhere. But if he does come back to the CPL, um, I think that the Wanderers have a pretty good chance of landing him just in terms of, uh, of where the club is at and what Patrice and the style of football that he plays. Um, also, it was pointed out to me that uh, Patrice Geyser and Manny Aparizio have the same agent. Uh, so, you know, there's You're no one who's going to have a... Yeah, there's no one who's going to have a better understanding of what the Wanderers needs uh, than 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 Geyser's agent, right? So, uh, very interesting, and and I'm curious to see what will shake out here over the next couple of months. Most definitely, yeah. No, that's a good uh, CPL transfer roster update roundup, whatever you want to call it. Presented by yeah, Josh yeah. Healy. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I uh, I also just uh, published. Uh, my latest blog post will be my last one for a little bit. Got to rest the fingers, but uh, I, I put out my end of season report cards for the Wanderers for uh, for anyone who's interested. Nice. And just real quick, who did you give the highest rating to? Ooh, I think I think it was uh, Lorenzo Caligari or Dan Nimick. Both of them were A's or A pluses. I, I forget now. Yeah. There, there what was... can I say? I'm a I'm a very kind grader. <laughs> very. Um, uh... Yeah, unexpected decision for the rankings right there. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that they would be probably shoe ins for most. Oh yeah, fans. yeah, groundbreaking news, eh? <laughs> um, so, I was going to yeah. say, talking about groundbreaking news, uh, we can pivot to some of the coaching discussion about uh, the Canadian men's national team. Obviously, uh, this is by the most tenuous of threads that his name was pulled into the conversation. Um, it was originally, I think, translated on. Um, a site in, in Latin America, football, Central America. But uh, Thomas Christensen has entered the chat for a potential candidate for the Canadian men's national team. I know we were talking about it uh, off camera a little bit here before, Mitchell, but uh, what do you what do you make of his name being pulled into the fray as a candidate? Yeah, I mean, he's obviously been able to 
generate some positive headlines and um, conversations around what he's achieved with Panama in, in recent competitions. Obviously, he took them to the Gold Cup final this summer. Um, you know, they did make it to the, the Nation League semifinals and, and then crashed out against us um, earlier in the summer as well. And, you know, now they're back in the Nation League semifinals and we're not. So joke's on us. But he's obviously been able to to tap into something with that Panamanian squad that has kind of uh, ignited a fire then for them to go out and get some of these results. I can't say that I'm too up to speed and what happened from when he first joined in 2020, because obviously they didn't qualify for the World Cup. Um, and uh, they were just I believe that they finished fifth just behind Costa Rica for that final spot from CONCACAF. So it's not like yeah. they were bottom of the table like Jamaica was, I believe, or it might have been Honduras during World Cup qualifying. But, you know, they, they were in contention until the, the last couple of match days. But, yeah, obviously he's someone who's who's kind of brought Panama to some more success and, than they saw in recent years. Um, nonetheless, I mean, he he definitely had a, you know, he's as an experienced uh, career as a player. Um, mostly through Europe, and he had some time with Leeds United as well. But I, I, I do, it's it's hard to say. I mean, I would, you know, it's better than, in my opinion, Moro Biello currently at the time. I think we need somebody that's not completely, um, you know, kind of just developed it, like exist in the Canadian soccer ecosystem. I think we need an outsider yeah. to come in and just observe the the talent, the the pool of players that that they have at their disposal right now, and try to. Um, just work with, with with some scouts to be able to determine oh this dual national here or there and, and how do we incorporate them into this camp and actually provide them with some time and just kind of move past that old guard and and what we've been sticking to uh, throughout this entire year and I think that the pressure is building to the point now even Marbiello knows if he's going to still be the the manager in, in March which you know obviously we. I think the consensus of most Canadian supporters is that he won't be, but I think yeah. that we should, you know, face reality and kind of um, come to terms that that could be the case with, with, with how slow things tend to move sometimes with this federation. So um, if that is the case, I think that even more Biela knows that he will have to switch things up a little bit in March. I know there's talks about a potential, like, I don't know what we call it, like a poutine camp or something in, in January to, to get some of the, uh, the MLS based players, it continue to to get them uh training together during the off season and i mean that's what the u.s is doing they have a um, they're having like an all mls player friendly against uh i think it's slovenia or slovakia yeah. in january so that'd be amazing if we could kind of line something up like that in preparation for the trinidad and tobago match but um as far as yeah so i just feel like the pressure to move on is pretty imminent regardless who is the coach right now whether or not you kind of come through the canadian soccer system from what i see but thomas christensen Sure, I guess. I mean, I don't know what their budget is like and what options are realistic right now. Um, you know, people joke about Carlo Ancelotti because they believe his contract is coming to an end with Real Madrid and his wife is Canadian. And leading up to the 2022 World Cup, he said something about he that the fact he'd be rooting for Canada or, you know, so that's always a joke. I doubt that we would be able to afford him right now. But, you know, Thomas Christensen, sure. I mean, he was asked questions about this. Uh, a few months ago and he immediately shot it down i don't know if he was asked specifically about canada but uh he said he wasn't going on anywhere regarding yeah uh, yeah yeah well well for uh i have the ancelotti quote uh right here he says world cup 2026 why not could be could be canada i'd love to sure canada did very well um but i think you kind of hit the uh the nail on the head there mitchell in so much as 
we even flip and afford this guy after he's coming <laughs> off however many years in Real Madrid, you know, li- living the life. Uh, it's uh, it's it's a very very different uh, setup for. We could collapse the entirety of the youth development in this country and just put it all on <laughs> Carlo Ancelotti and see if he can. All right, Carlo, him. you you got the whole shebang. Like, yeah. let's see what you can do, buddy. <laughs> well, it would be great in recruiting some players that we might not be aware of right now that are that are eligible to to represent Canada or maybe in the coming years that are are still developing elsewhere that might come to the forefront in a year or two. And, you know, if you had Carlo Ancelotti at the helm or, 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 you know, talks of him leading the steer of the ship here in Canada, you might be, it might be a little bit easier to, to get players to commit to, to represent on the national team that could still be in contention. But as far as, yeah, I don't, I don't know how realistic that is. And Tommy Chris, the, the thing is with that article as well, that people were just running with the photo of him and the headline is that like, when you translate the article from Spanish, it's really just, it's like the person that wrote it wanted to just bring that topic back up. And then they reached out to to Thomas Neff, uh, yeah. Canadian soccer journalist. And he just was kind of like, it could be a possibility. And then everyone was like, oh, he's still in contention. I was surprised by some of the people that actually tweeted it out. I'm like, did you read what was what was said? What yeah. was said? Like what we are, what the quote that we we're using to just, build off of this uh possibility i mean he could be in consideration he could have been reached out to sure but like i think thomas neff said that like oh canada basically has said that they want a world-class coach and someone with experience uh outside i don't know there was another factor and he was like thomas christensen actually isn't either of those so it wasn't even like an optimistic quote it was just like a picture of thomas christensen and like canada and then people were like oh my god is he, are yeah. they going to announce him as the coach? It's like, you know, I'm all, I'm the most optimistic guy in the room, but like, that's what we're going off of here. So <laughs> tenuous threads, tenuous threads. Speaking about uh, people reading or not reading, I don't know if you had a chance <laughs> to read the uh, Joshua Cloak article in The Athletic about Bobby Simeonis. Uh, this ran, I think it was end of September, beginning of October. And, uh, the headline says, you know, is is Bobby the coach the men's national team needs for the future? Uh, obviously, he's got quite the track record with Forge, um, with Sigma before that. You know, he's won four out of of uh, the last five CPL uh, playoff championships. Do you think that Bobby is someone who might get a sniff as well, or or should the program be looking elsewhere? I think that they should still look elsewhere, but if that's the best option that they have, why not? I just wonder what the, how that, how, you know, having success, developing some players that actually do currently represent the the national team. Uh, I can't name them off the top of my head. I think Alistair Johnson might be one of them. I should be wrong, but um, yeah, with, with the Sigma and then, and then going in to, to forge, obviously winning, the Canadian Premier League four years out of five as far as the playoffs go um yeah I mean (laughs) I mean he might be one of the best contenders I just don't know how that translates into into CONCACAF and you know managing the the likes of Alfonso Davies or you know people that you know players that that have experience playing in, in in much higher leagues and will that success of managing against uh, you know managers that are more experienced and, and have had greater success than than those that have with all due respect the uh you know just have coached in the Canadian Premier League and and around that circuit and you know how does he fare against those you know could he lead Canada to a World Cup in 2026 I mean 
we don't know. We haven't really seen him coach at that level yet. So it's hard to say. Maybe it translates excellently. Um, I I wish you could do like a, you could, you could do like a, I guess, I mean, that's what interim managers are for, but do like a trial period with them or, or something. I don't know. I don't know if it's a long-term play. I don't know how that works. I, I hope that that Canada doesn't just make a decision because they feel under pressure to, you know, expedite and just the process and, and, and just come out with an announcement to to calm people down. I hope that they take their time with it and make the right choice. And yeah, I mean, if he's the best of the available options that they can afford right now, I think that we do need a newer coach to come in for, for the March window, but yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. I think both of us are, are in the same boat in so much as whoever they pick next, they've got to give this candidate as much runway as possible to put their own print on the program and yeah. the squad and, and, you know, everyone, everyone around uh, for what is to come, because, you know, we're going to be on the world stage and we want to, you know, put our best foot forward. So that, that starts with making the right hire for the program. And, you know, you and I don't have the answers necessarily, but uh, you know, just a couple of fun names to throw in there as, as uh, we we move towards our impending match against Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> Just blow it all up and bring John Herdman back. <laughs> Come on, John. Toronto's not that nice, huh? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how he performed. I mean, like, the thing is with John, I mean, John Herdman's ever coached at a club level, right? So it's just, like, great success with the Canadian women's team, great success with the men's team. I mean, he he did well, I believe, with New Zealand prior to that. Yep. Um, the program's over there. He didn't really have a fair shot. I mean, you can't judge him based off of his limited – management time with Toronto towards the end of, the, of, of a disastrous season worse in club history to begin with so it'll be interesting to see what he can do in the offseason as far as shifting things around the roster and then and then tactically and 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 what kind of speeches he could give in the locker room to fire players up and to kind of get their momentum back going but you know if, if things don't work out too well for him at TFC it'll be interesting to see what happens next I, I couldn't see him make it a return I just I thought about that earlier I was like could that ever be a possibility he comes back I don't think that's what I want right now, but no, I I, I think that bridge is uh, well burned, my friend. There's yeah, there only true. that There's only ashes left saying. at this point. Yeah, but some stuff he's been saying recently too. Um, yeah. If you like to move, move along here, I will. Uh, I can touch into a little bit of uh, an update for everybody interested in in hearing how our uh, Canadian men's national team players and players that are just in that Canadian camp have performed overseas the last few days over the weekend and up to today, Tuesday, we're recording this. Yeah, I feel like this this segment needs like a cool name. Canadians abroad. Yeah, I know that's what one soccer calls theirs, I think. But oh shit, uh, oh, we, <laughs> guess uh, you know we could do some plagiarism. Anyone that wants to, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, fire some some input on on what they think should be the the proper name of this segment. Where basically I just do a recap of as many Canadian players and how they're performing at their clubs in Europe and MLS anywhere around the world throughout the weekend um feel free to let us know i uh kind of quickly half hour before we recorded this just compiled as many um updates and, and wrote some things here for how some of the main players and 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 some uh players that perhaps deserve a little bit more coverage and recognition in the canadian soccer media ecosystem um performed over the weekend and also today's tuesday so there was some champions league and championship matches this afternoon so yeah, we could dive into that here. Um, uh, all right, buddy, give it to me. What? Uh, where? Where do you want to start here on the list? I think there, we should. Start, I think we should start with Ismail Kone because today, yes. um, you know, exactly one week from from heading the ball to the back of the net from a, a Davies cross for Canada against Jamaica, 
Uh, Ismail Kone scored his first ever goal in the championship for Watford earlier today. And I was always wondering when that was coming because, I mean, he's he's been pretty consistent as, as far as being in the starting 11 and, and or coming off on the bench. And um, I know goal scoring isn't necessarily his uh, – his main selling point for what he provides as a player. He's very good in the middle and and, and just kind of finding space and and making those important passes. But he did take a touch of the space today, cut in and smashed a smashed home, a little drive into the bottom right-hand corner about 25 yards out. Um, At the time it was uh, Wofford's first on the night and they're originally down two nil and uh, they actually came back to win uh, three, two. So uh, it's definitely one of his most uh, offensively successful performances in a Watford shirt as he uh, he started the match. In addition to the goal, he hit the woodwork as well and had three total shots on target. And on uh, Fought Mob, Fought Mob, I I'm, guess I'm pronouncing that correctly. I never really had to say it out loud. Uh, it's kind of like the Bible of, of, of uh, how I'm gauging how a player is performing if I'm not able to watch the match, I'll, although I did catch the second half of this one. Um, he got a rating of 8.7 and he completed the most dribbles out of any player in the match. And he was the player of the match, according to them at the highest rating based off of their stats. So yeah, Ismail Kone, man, 21 years old. Fun fact that uh, I believe the owners of Watford also own Udinese in uh, Syria. So there's yeah. got, there's been rumors of, you know, perhaps after a season or two over in England, uh, he might end up going and playing at the top flight in the top flight in, in Italy. And I think that that would be, I think that they, they could definitely use them. I, I, I've Udinese is not performing the greatest uh, so far this season. I watched them play against Roma on Sunday and mm-hmm. they, they had a little bit of a moment, but eventually lost three, one. So I would love to see, you know, uh, a Canadian player playing over in Italy. So if that could ever happen, I'm all in favor of it. He's only 21 and he's really seeming to find his, his stride lately. Um, had some, has really had some excellent performances for Watford lately. And now he's scoring goals. I mean, two goals in all competitions of the past week. So it's great to see him uh, get on the score sheet there, there in England. Yeah, and it looks like as well he's, uh, as you said, really rounding out to form just in terms of, you know, he's he's been involved in the last six matches, uh, which is great. And and I don't know about you, but I thought he was one of Canada's best players uh, the other day against Jamaica as well. So the fact that, you know, he's now scored technically in back-to-back matches, uh, it only speaks well about how, how, you know, this young player is developing in one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah, 100%. And uh, moving on from Kone as well, um, back on Saturday, Jonathan David finally ended his goal drought in League One um, as as Lille uh, beat the absolutely collapsing Lyon, who currently sits oh in my 20th place, 2-0 uh, away from home. Uh, you know, David held out the ball following winning a uh, an aerial duel. The ball was flipped up to a teammate, and then he just began running into it. It was like he knew where the ball was going before his teammate even collected it. And he ran into his space, knew exactly where the ball was headed and just calmly received the ball. Cool as ever. Tapped it in with the outside of his right foot. And yeah, it was his first goal in 10 matches for Leo and in, in league one play. And hopefully it could be a sign of uh, more to come and him finding his form again. I mean, I really never doubted the fact that he would kind of get back into a scoring stride. That's what he's known for. He's had a few droughts in the past and then ends up having like a 20 goal season. So not too worried about Jonathan David. Obviously, it, sh- it showed during, for the most part, of the international break that didn't phase him too much as he scored for, for Canada against Jamaica in the first match as well. And hopefully that 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 bit of confidence was what carried over into him scoring here. And there should be 
more to come from him. I mean, Leal is in fourth place as well in, in League One right now. So the team is performing well, which hopefully can be um, you know, an indication of more from from Jonathan David, which is which is what we need as a as a country for him to bring that form back for us when we play internationally and also for him to hopefully, you know, get that big move that that we everyone's been speculating oh about the last two transfer windows. So it's good to have him back sport. You and you can see why you know he maybe faltered a little bit to start the season. So he finishes off last year with Lille. He had 24 goals in Liga. I mean, that's fantastic. He's one of the top goal scorers in the league. There's all this talk about a transfer and how much money he's worth and whatever else. And then nothing happens, right? He sits all summer and then is told, All right, you're gonna suit up again for Le Dog. Uh I, I can understand why he had, you know, maybe a hard time getting going when you spend all offseason thinking, okay. Where you know where am I packing my bags to, and then you end up in the same place where you've been. Uh, well, this is now his fourth fourth season. Yeah, uh, and just because Leo was asking for such a high price, that was making it difficult for any clubs to actually be able to afford, you know, what they were hoping to spend on someone like Jonathan David. Obviously, an important player, but I I think that they might have been asking a bit too much, and then I you know you see his price drop. I think it was down to like. 50 million around there. Right. So I think the high watermark was around like 70 to 80 though. Yeah. So I think that regardless, I mean, he might not move in January, but I definitely would suspect perhaps this summer coming up, but yeah, it's good that you see him getting back into form. And I'm sure that that did some, that did some wonders for his confidence to get that off his back. Uh, moving on to Maxine Crepo, who got a clean, clean sheet earned against Seattle on uh, Sunday for LAFC as they went on to beat them and clinch another trip to MLS's Western Conference Finals. He had three absolutely phenomenal phenomenal saves, which kept the side in the match and basically won the game for them. I remember I remember seeing that that save that he made against the Jordan Morris breakaway and basically you know ran out completely, just made himself big, stopped the ball. And I mean, what a comeback story as well, following him, you know, breaking his leg in last year's final. Um, to come back, recover, play some matches for LAFC's reserve team, make it back to the uh, the first team towards the end of the regular season, save a couple penalties, I believe, um, and now you know having a stellar man of the match performance to to keep them in the match and hold on to that win away from home, and now they're back in the Western Conference Finals, which could very well see them beat Houston and head to the MLS Cup Finals two years in a row. And yeah, I mean the real qu- the question everyone's asking right now is. You know, is he, I mean, what argument can you really make at this point that Milan Boyan is undoubtedly the number one keeper that should start over him because of his experience, because of his form and where he's playing. And that's all fantastic. But what he's done for the national team, like, you know, you can never discredit that. But I think it's at least worth considering getting Maxime Crazo in as a starting keeper, especially if he continues to perform like this. And they end up winning MLS Cup two years in a row. I mean, the guy is phenomenal. He puts his life on the line to keep his team in the match here. And I think that he's capable of making some saves. He's showing that he's capable of making some saves that oh, currently sure. Borean hasn't been making in a Canada shirt. I can't say I watch every game that Borean plays overseas, but I mean, Crepo is it's he's just begging for his shot now with these performances. I, I couldn't agree more. And we again touched on it uh, last pod a little bit, but you know, Borean's time is come and gone. Right, he's uh, 36, if I remember correctly, uh, and you know, he, he's not he's not the guy that you're going to go in with for 2026. It's it's time to turn the page, and and you know, Maxime Typo, you only had to look at. I mean, I don't know about you, but my my phone blew up with highlights from that match. Right, like yeah. everyone was raving about it, and 
obviously that's that's anecdotal but you know as you mentioned he does have that track record right he he's the right age there's there's so many things that are going for him right now where where to put Borian in again would just in my opinion be unfair to him right um I, I forget what account it was, but there was someone who who uh, tweeted a list of Canadian goalkeepers who should be up for consideration. And, you know, even going down that list, like uh, Jonathan Siwa, like he had a fantastic season for CF Montreal as well, right? Again, you're looking at Crepo, there was, um, there was a couple others as well. And you're like, you know, there is a number of great keepers in this country. Um why, why not give somebody else a shot, right? Like you need to actively be looking towards the future versus, you know, kind of the fella who, who we've relied on for the last number of years. So. Yeah, most definitely. Even someone like Tom McGill, who I know Mm. last episode, I I said that he didn't play recently, uh, basically at all for Brighton, but uh, you know, mostly we had been playing for the under 21s or under 23 sides, but I believe that he was, he did play, I don't know if it was a Carabao cup match or, um, it was a cup competition. I believe he played it. I, he saved the penalty as well. And he performed excellently. And this is a guy that's, that's in the system for, for Brighton, you know, a team that's, that's very well and that, you know, competes in the English premier league and, you know, mid table team sometimes performs a little bit better than that. I mean, they had a good start to the season and, you know, his backup keeper, but, you know, still a Canadian, nonetheless, someone that's signed to a team in the, you know, most competitive, not maybe not most competitive league with Man City winning every year, but nonetheless, the <laughs> highest caliber, concentrated caliber of talent. So, like, there, our goalkeeping pool is it has some depth, you know. Sirwa, uh, Dane St. Clair, who has performed course, yeah. quite well for, for Minnesota over the last two years. Um, their season didn't go as exactly as planned this year, but I mean, he's reliable, he's made some unbelievable saves. I mean, he has quite the highlight reel. I mean, he did, he, you know. He had that one chance or two chances for Canada during the Gold Cup after Borean left. And, yeah, we just got to rotate the keepers, man. Exactly. The, the focus now is 2026. And, you know, Borean's not going to be around he's, unless he's, you know, we want to have him starting for us at, at 40. I know goalkeepers' careers can last a little bit longer um, as it's not as physically demanding, but still, like, it, he, he'll still time. be out there in braces, you know? <laughs> yeah, he'll have the sweatpants <laughs> on and. You know, uh, moving on, I'll, I'll just kind of quickly knock out a bunch here. E.K. Ugbo, who wasn't called up during the last Canadian men's yeah. national team camp. Um, someone that I, I don't know if there's issues behind the scenes. I mean, he wasn't in the greatest form to begin with, and perhaps there's enough of an argument why. Um, but they didn't call up Charles Andreas Brim either. They called up uh, Jason Russell Rowe after Cavallini stepped down. I understand that they were looking for experience, but I think E.K. Ugbo can offer that Um he hasn't scored for the national team yet, but he did end the goal drought as well. That's two Canadian strikers this weekend that ended their their goal drought uh, in Europe. And uh, yeah, Ike Ubo came off the bench, scored a match winner for Cardiff, actually against Liam Miller's Preston North End. So there was two Canadians on the pitch at that time, both on uh, different teams. But uh, yeah, Ike Ubo came off the bench. It was his first goal since August 26th and fourth on the season in the championship. His uh, his side did end up losing 1-0 in the match today. Um, and he did come off and wasn't able to clinch one back for Cardiff. But nonetheless, good to see him back in his scoring ways. I think it was like his only touch of the game, too. He came on late, <laughs> scored a header. Um, well, so that's, Love to see it. Super sub. Yeah, that's, that's what matters most. So Hopefully he can get some more looks like that and, 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 you know, build off, build on that. Cause he's a, you know, promising player. He's, you know, I believe he's only, I think he's 24 now. So he's not necessarily, well, he's 25. So he's, he's kind of past that, 
young prospect phase of his career, but nonetheless, someone that we could still have in the mix and is is quite good when he finds his form. And uh, Tejon Buchanan as well at uh, Club Bruges. He uh, returned from the inter- international break and wasted no time as he assisted his side's only goal on Saturday. And uh, they cruised to a 1-0 victory over OH Leuven and now sit at seventh in the, the Belgian first division. So with that being said, move to Inter Milan soon. I mean, Tejon Buchanan, that's a consistent rumor. Italian outlets have reported there's interest from time to time. Yeah. He can be looked at as a replacement um, for a certain player. Name has slipped my mind. I can't say I watch Inter too frequently, but um, I mean, another, I would love more Canadians in the Serie A. I've been a, become a, a bigger fan of the Serie A in, in recent months since I, I went to Italy and watch Roma on a consistent basis now. Basis now. Yeah. So to see Buchanan playing for, you know, team that made it to the champions league last year that'd be that'd, that'd be, be wicked cool. yeah what one thing as well the the kits in syria are, are just wicked i yeah. love them so much like i i know you went to a, a roma game but like they had the uh the spqr uh kits this year or whatever that they started and uh, like the crest for roma is fantastic and then you know you've got uh venezia as well i know that's a league down but like uh, they've got beautiful kits. Crazy kits, man. Venezia, oh. I, Venezia, I didn't realize it because I went to Venice for a day and I was like, what is the club here? Like, you can't yeah, drive yeah, yeah. in Venice. It's just like uh, water buses and stuff to get around. So I'm like, is there? Because I just, I didn't even know that before. I, like two days before I went to Venice, I didn't realize like I had to take a boat to get just to where my hotel was. And uh, so I was like, surely there's no club here. But I mean, Venice, everyone knows Venice. Like, where do what is the club that locals in Venice support? And then I started reading up on uh, Venezia or Venezia and uh, about like their ownership is kind of off topic here, but like they yeah, got a new they've done a whole rebrand, huh? Yeah, now they're top of Serie B, and it's so cool. I, I know they were in Serie a, a couple of years ago, then were relegated again, but now they're back on top, and they cut they play at the stadium that's completely surrounded by water, and it's just such a a cool project. And I know, yeah, their jerseys are phenomenal. I'd like to get yeah. one myself. Uh, the, man, they're, like I said, Syria or really the, all the Italian leagues are just this like treasure trove of beautiful football kits. Um, I had liked Palermo's like pink and black kits for the longest time. Yeah, only for uh, only for Inter Miami to like. Obviously, you know they you you can't uh, patent a color or whatever, but like they right. have the exact same sort of setup <laughs> for us. Uh, Another yeah. interesting thing too is uh, Inter Milan and Club Bruges. You know, if, if if those rumors ever came into fruition about Buchanan moving to to play for Inter Milan, those kits are quite similar too, with the the black and blue stripes. So he wouldn't really even visibly look that different. He could kind of uh, be a chameleon. He could you know go back and forth playing for both clubs. You wouldn't. No, um, but nonetheless, Buchanan's performing at uh, you know he he's he's been doing well this season so far and playing a right back too you know in, in a more defensive role for his club, um, similar to to what Davies, uh, his role is at at Bayern and and then it switches up when he's when he's with the national team. But uh, just quickly going through a few more players here, Jaden Nelson, um, who also wasn't called up to the last camp, twenty one years old, former TFC man. Continues to excel over in Norway. He uh, both won and scored a penalty for his club Rosenberg on Saturday. Um, one more match left in the season over in Norway. 
uh, next weekend. And then that wraps up his, the club that he plays for right now is kind of mid table, but uh, yeah. he's only 21. And uh, the young Canadian winger has found the back of the net on six separate, six separate occasions so far this season. So not a bad first season in Europe. And I think that he's going to be somebody that we should have in the mix and, and being called up more often. He only has five caps for Canada so far. So moving forward, Jaden Nelson, always have been a fan of, of him as a player, as a speedy winger. Um, he did play in Halifax, actually, when TFC played against the Wanderers in that Canadian Championship Cup tie. So, yeah, fun fact, Jaden Nelson over in Norway, killing it. Serves more recognition for sure. Big fan. Actually, uh, EAFC. In my uh, career mode, I just signed him for $2 million, and he's been tearing up. I played a game last night, and he scored five goals. So, <laughs> so Fantastic. Uh, just just for fun, what club did you uh, start as? So I, I wanted to pick a random uh, League 2 side and bring them up to the, the Premier League. So I'm still in League 2, but we're top of the table on fire. I'm, I'm Colchester United. And the only reason I selected them was because there is a, uh, a Canadian goalkeeper or potential Canadian, yeah, yeah. he's dual national. Um, Owen Goodman, who's like 19, and I, I just through knowing about him, I was like, I'm just gonna pick this club, and uh, yeah, it's fun, man. I'm on fire. I I hadn't played video games for like 12, like 10 years, but it's just I I have this desire to just I have the desire to get an Xbox and start playing FIFA again, EAFC. So yeah, yeah, nice. I I mean this in the nicest way possible. But do not get football manager. Like EAFC is like the gateway drug to football manager. And I, once you're there, you're completely like goodbye to your social life. Yeah, really, man. You're just I've been watching. Vi- I've been watching videos <laughs> about football manager recently, and and it, and like people making documentaries on YouTube with like hundreds of thousands of views of like how they take like a seventh division Spanish team and, and only sign African players and like build them to the top. And it's just like a simulation and they're narrating it. And like the audience for people to document their football manager careers is it's unbelievable. It's like people make careers off of talking about their uh, simulated careers in a, in a video game. It's just, and a football manager, I mean, the database that they have is unbelievable, like half a million players. And it's actually helped team scout players in real life and sign them. And I, I'm interested. I, you know, they say it's the gateway drug. And I, I have been thinking about it the last few days, but uh, yeah, I don't know yeah, if I have yeah. the time for that. Yeah. It's um, as someone who who uh, has fallen into the honeypot a little bit. It uh, it is a lot of fun. Uh, they also do have the CPL in it, which is a great bit right. of fun. I know some of the Wander supporters have uh, gone in and played as the club as well. But uh, yeah, it's just it's just uh, it's addictive. You know, it's you feel like you're the manager. It's, it's yeah. great. It's great. If yeah, you have the time, uh, I I'm, I might consider it uh, soon, but we'll we'll see. Um, just touching on a few more players here, like Alistair Johnson uh, in Celtic this afternoon had unfortunately lost 2-0 to Lazio in Rome. They're officially out of uh, the contention for getting into the round of 16 here in the Champions League. So actually, it's Champions League. I actually don't know how many clubs are in the Champions League this year. I find it's constantly changing. I don't know if they get to a like round of 32 or they go right to 16 after the group stage. I think you should fact check me on that. But anyway... Celtics out and they're always out because they dominate in Scotland, but they can't perform on the European stage. And I find the Scottish league so fascinating because of how uneven it is. And uh, yeah. So anyway, that all aside, Alistair Johnson was actually quite defensively compact. I mean, he's 
disciplined uh, despite the loss. You know, he had a good individual performance. He made eight passes into the final third, won four to six ground duels in the night, had two clearances, seven recoveries, one interception. So, you know, he's a reliable defender right back for Celtic. And he even was getting caught up front a little bit, but he was able to track back quite well. They held off Lazio into the last 10 minutes. Immobile punished them coming off the bench, scored two. So it was actually quite a closely contested match. Could have ended up being nil-nil. Celtic almost, they had a penalty actually called in the last two minutes. Actually came from an Alistair Johnson cross into the box, and then VAR overruled it, decided it wasn't enough contact. So they almost had a constellation that he essentially set up, but didn't move forward. Um, So Celtic's out of uh, Champions League. They have one more match in a couple weeks, but they are done. An unusual player to find the back of the net um this weekend with uh scott kennedy uh center back who's gotten quite a few caps for canada in recent years uh play with them during the gold cup actually was the one that got that own goal and uh late extra time with the u.s that led to penalty kicks that saw us eliminated but wasn't all on him he's actually quite a reliant defender um he scored the lone goal for wolfsburger ac in the austrian bundesliga on saturday and they won one nil so Shout out to Scott Kennedy. Maybe someone that'll be back in the mix for Canada in 2024. Um, Kyle Laren, who's obviously been struggling, struggling quite a bit with uh, Mallorca since he joined them and, and went into this season in La Liga. He came off the bench in the 62, 62nd minute against Atletico Madrid, um, who they unfortunately lost 1-0 from, uh, thanks to a fantastic goal from Antoine Griezmann. And uh, yeah, Mallorca's midfield had a difficult time connecting with Laren kind of was a bit non-existent. You didn't really know he was there. He held up the ball a few times. They couldn't make much of it. Um, he only had nine touches on the night. So his struggles yeah. continue for his club over there in La Liga. Hopefully he can find the back of the net relatively soon. I know their star striker is out as of right now. So there's going to be a little bit more pressure on him to to execute. So yeah, hopefully he can figure that out soon. I mean, he's he hasn't been in the greatest run of form as of late. And even during, I mean, he had some great moments setting up that first Jonathan David goal for Canada. Um, had some big misses in that second leg as well. So I think a goal would do him right right now. More than, I think he needs a goal much more than Jonathan David needed a goal. So Yeah, that, that's saying something as well. And just looking at some of his stats here. I mean, in La Liga, he's, he's only got you know, 400 and some odd minutes. That's not a lot of time over, you know, over a dozen matches, right? No. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, he hasn't necessarily been a starter as well. There's only maybe two games that he started. So, I mean, the manager at Mallorca was quoted saying this, like basically saying to the press, what he needs to say to Kyle Laren is, Hey, you're the star striker. It's time for you to perform. Um, he's been a bit harsh on him in, in the media as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's you know, it's tough for Kyle Laren. Um, but uh, he's Canada's all-time leading goal scorer. And, uh, you know, fun fact as well, Mallorca is uh, co-owned by Steve Nash. He's a minority owner. owner at the That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> I, uh, I played in the Steve Nath- Nash uh, Youth Basketball League back in my day when I lived in B.C., Let's go. Well, maybe uh, you can hit him up and you can get a, a stake in, in Mallorca and, and maybe you could have a little pep talk with Carl Aaron. Get him well, back he on. needs it. Uh, <laughs> just to bring it back around a little bit, Carl um, Aaron is one of the players who actually played with uh, Sigma FC with Bobby Simeonis. 
Yeah. Uh, so who knows? Maybe he could be the, the Laren whisperer. Oh, maybe, maybe that's a good case, man. Uh, I'd love like when Laren's, when Laren's good, he's good. So if we could get somebody, <laughs> someone could whisper in his ear, get him, uh, putting some balls in the back of the net, then I'm for it. A um, couple of rapid fire things. I'm just going to shoot off here. Here we go. I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, Stefan Ostakio Porto just lost 2-1 to Barcelona. Now they said second of the Champions League group stage with one more match to go. Liam Miller wasn't included in Preston's lineup against Middlesbrough today. Perhaps an injury. Not really much I was able to find to go off of there because he did play in their match on Saturday and he wasn't even on the bench at all for them today. So something's up. He's pretty much been a starter since he joined the club in the summer. Um, Luke DeFugiroles wasn't in Fulham squad yesterday for the 3-2 win over Wolves. Alfonso Davies, it's interesting we haven't mentioned him at all up until this point, but he was available on the bench for Bayern on the weekend when they defeated uh, Cone 1-0, but uh, he did make an appearance. Bayern actually made no substitutions at all at that match. Um, I think it most likely would just be to rest him after coming back from the international break and they were playing against a club that hasn't been doing too well, so Probably a good opportunity to to give him a break. They do play in the Champions League against Copenhagen tomorrow. Um, so perhaps he'll make his, his return then. Uh, Charles Andreas Brim started and played the full 90 for Sparta Rotterdam on Saturday as they lost 2-1. Uh, young Canadian centre-back uh, Jamie Knight-LaBelle, who's only made one appearance for so far this season of the championship, he was available on the bench for Bristol City. That's someone to, to keep an eye on. Um a dual national who could represent Canada and Algeria, uh, Mo Farsi, who's a CPL graduate himself, uh, played fantastically for the Columbus Crew on Saturday when they beat Orlando and now are heading to the Eastern Conference final. Uh, Theo Corbinu started and played 76 minutes for his club Grasshopper in Switzerland. That's another young striker that we should be putting into the mix more. And uh, 18-year-old Canadian player uh currently at inter's inter milan's academy umar diallo was training with the inter milan first team on monday so i know i've seen posts about that in the past it's kind of hard to find much concrete information about what how significant him being called up into training with the team is but i mean that's that's something for the next generation to keep an eye on well, it's just one of those things. Anytime you're an 18-year-old born in Toronto and you find yourself playing uh, or training, rather, at the first team at one of the largest clubs in the world, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. I mean, just just think about the tra- trajectory um, and, and to end up in, in, you know, one of those football palaces. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, maybe he could put in a, a good word for Tejan Buchanan. <laughs> Help of LAOs, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, I mean, that's all I have, man. Is there anything else you want to throw around? I think that we went a little bit longer than we did last week, and we had so much to talk about. Yeah, uh, this is just a bit of a silly question, but I'm always curious what people's answers are. As a young fella, I grew up playing soccer. But now that I've been reporting on the sport and, and covering a local club and whatever else, I find myself jumping between whatever the person I'm talking to uses. So for example, like with the Wanderers or whatever, some of their European players or, or, um, you know, people have gone abroad and come back. Like, I, you know, I always say, are you enjoying your football? You know, he's a great football player, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then immediately I switch as well when other people talk to me and I'm all confused. I was just curious what, uh, what you yourself use. Cause again, it, it does seem to be, you know, take a little, give a little 
uh, at least for myself. As far as the the choice of wording? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Do, you, do you say you're a football player or a soccer player? You know, obviously we're North American, so we, we have, uh, you know, we grew up in a certain atmosphere, but like the more that I study and write about and watch or whatever, the more I keep being pulled towards the football jargon. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually, I'm not even like conscious of how I've been referring to it during our show here. I, I think that we might be, are we saying so? What are we saying? I mean, it's like a soccer podcast. It's also interesting too, when you go to upload the show to Spotify, you know, and you click sports and it's like football and then, you know, basketball, hockey, whatever. And then it says soccer. So I'm like, I wonder how many people click football, meaning football, but they're paired in with, you know, American football. But it depends on who I'm talking to, I think. I mean, I have no if – if I'm talking to some, like a, a normie person that isn't into the sport and I call it football, expecting them to know what I mean, I feel like yeah, that's yeah. like pretty – you know, I don't even know. I feel like that's, that's, that's like elitist of me. You know, I feel like I'm like I, being posh and cringy. It's like, oh, yeah, I don't have to do a football podcast. And like yeah, I just yeah, expect yeah. you to know what I'm talking about or, or to follow I, along and not think American football. But like depends on who I'm talking to. I'll, I have no issue saying soccer or, football sometimes i i I get like this sense of satisfaction when i could say football and they know what i'm talking about talking about immediately yeah yeah we can use the correct term also i love that you were like if i'm talking to a normie as in (laughs) someone who's not completely addicted to the sport (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly yeah someone that doesn't uh you know watch four matches a game all right four matches a day a game yeah yeah well, matt you, you could watch four matches during game i mean that's that's i don't want really watch four matches a day maybe on a weekend yeah yeah background. lazy saturday it's snowing outside oh yeah I man it's just good to have on in the background while you're making food you're cleaning up around the house like i just throw on i look to find what match a canadian player is playing in and then throw it on watch some jonathan david watch uh get frustrated at kyle laren for missing chances and <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Kyle Lawrence taking a beat in this podcast. Uh, know, he only man. needs to score a goal and then he'll be fine. We'll leave him alone. Yeah, we're fickle, man. He'll completely change. He's the GOAT. Yeah, perfect. Well, yeah, I think that's all that we have for today. Mitchell, where can people find you? Yeah, they can find me in Halifax. Um, on on X, you can find me. Uh, I'll just keep plugging the, the soccer Twitter because that makes the most sense. Uh, can football talk? C A N F U T B O L talk. T A L K. If you need me to spell that out too. Um, football. I, I had to I had to draw inspiration from the the Espanol. For my for my wording selection there because like I said last week the the one I was looking for was taking Canadian soccer talk and I didn't want to go Canadian football talk because you know look at the CFL so that was the next <laughs> best best move but uh, you know it could also be like a question too like can football talk I'm talking about football so the answer is yes I, it can <laughs> um, a lot of ways you can go you can tell you're in the right industry eh yeah so yeah that's me on Twitter or X that's fantastic. And for those who want uh, more CPL stuff, uh, shared podcasts, whatever else, you can find me on Twitter slash X. I still feel so weird calling it X at uh, Wanderers Notes. And you can also find me on my blog at wandersnotebook.com. All right. So for episode two, I think that's all she wrote. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And uh, until next time, we should have our first guest of the pod on next week, if all goes according to plan. So stay tuned for a surprise. Yes. And also any guest recommendations, please let us know. Add us on X.
Perfect. All right. Thanks and have a great one, guys. Farewell. Adios.